Welcome to Digging Deeper, a podcast of Perimeter Church in Atlanta, Georgia, hosted by me, Jeff Norris, along with my co-host, Laura Story Elvington. This podcast aims to equip you to follow Jesus by digging deeper into the teachings and topics of the Bible, the culture at large, and life in general. We're excited that you've joined us as we explore the treasures of God's Word and apply its teachings to our lives as followers of Christ. In this season, we're digging deeper into our series, Love Rules, a study through the Ten Commandments and their relevance to us today. So throughout this season, we'll feature many exciting guests who will help us sort through what Scripture has to say and how it impacts how we are to live as citizens of the Kingdom of God. We're so glad you joined us. Now let's jump into today's discussion. We are absolutely thrilled uh, for, for you to hear from our guest today as we launch into this, uh, this new Digging Deeper series and this fall series that coincides with our teaching series at Perimeter Church on the Ten Commandments. And uh, we have Alistair Begg with us today, who, um, for me personally, I am just uh, beyond excited to talk to because Alistair, uh, I didn't even tell you this yet, but you've had a great impact on my life, your teachings, your books, um, have uh, just been very, very influential and informative for me personally. And I know for many of our listeners, they would say the very same thing. And, and uh, Laura, I'm sure you would be able to say the same thing as well. So thank you for joining us. It's a privilege to join you, and uh, you're making me feel like a really old guy, but that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to make you feel old at all. Uh, but, uh, man, tell, I'm telling you, you're, you're uh, the way the Lord has used you in so many lives. Yes. Um, as a local pastor there in Cleveland, uh, but then just really, honestly, your worldwide ministry uh, has just been anointed by the Lord. So um, just thank you, brother. It's been been awesome. Nice to chat. Yeah. Yes. Well, and, and you are kicking off our podcast series. Yeah. So, oh, really? Uh, yes, <laughs> you are. No pressure. No pressure, Alistair. Uh, yeah. But you are the name that popped into my mind as we are looking at uh, the Ten Commandments, a series we're calling Love Rules, yeah. and partly because of, of your book, Pathway to Freedom, and how yeah. it really opens up our minds to think of the Ten Commandments differently. So yeah. tell us, uh, just go ahead and jump in. Tell us kind of the, the thought behind it, how um, maybe how the Lord brought you to, to view these, you know, God's law as more than just a list of rules to follow. Well, I think the um, I think the opening part of the book um, is probably the the best part of it in the sense that I'm trying to uh, make clear there that uh, um, disavow the notion that somehow or another the law of God uh, we we bid farewell to that when we discover mm. uh, faith and trust in Jesus mm. that the 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 law of God um, is uh, the tram lines on which we we live our lives. They they are not the power source. They are the they are the guideline. And um, in in beginning of the book in that way, I tried to um, make sure that nobody was uh, thinking that the Ten Commandments were uh, provided a ladder that we could climb up to acceptance with God mm-hmm. and to uh, know Him, but rather that they were provided for us, if you like, a mirror in which we see ourselves and mm-hmm. fighting ourselves as lawbreakers, and then it sends us to the one who um, fulfilled the law and sends us to Jesus, and 
to the just to the, the wonderful liberating reality of the framework that God has provided really, really works. Mm. And uh, so that was that was it. I wanted to make sure that at least our congregation uh, understood those essential things. Yeah, and and you mentioned your congregation. I think I failed to say earlier that you pastor in Cleveland, and uh, where your local congregation is, and we're here in Atlanta, and we're longing for the same things for our congregation. And you just said something. You used a phrase that I think is really important. You said the liberating reality mm. of of God's law. I, I don't think very many Christians think of the law that way. That it's liberating. What, what talk more about that? What do you mean by that? You know. I've never seen, actually, I have seen traffic jams like Mexico City uh, in Cairo in Egypt. But, yeah. Um, and the reason for that is that the traffic signals are regarded simply as suggestions, mm. as uh, possible, possibly having a sort of utilitarian value, and they're completely ignored. And so consequently, you find yourself in the, in the most dreadful jams, uh, mm-hmm. almost um, inextricably stuck. And uh, you just have to say, well, there's a reason for the stop sign. There's a reason for the red light. It is not to impoverish us, but it is actually to make things work. Mm. And so when you think about uh, the way in which the commandments speak about everything from marital fidelity to truth-telling, and then you think for a moment what it would be like if the state of Georgia just told the truth for 24 hours— Right across the board. I mean, uh, it wouldn't be all beauty. There would be some real ugly stuff in it, but it would be clarity as opposed to um, the the deceptive nature of our inclinations. So in that respect, um, the way I tried to put it was that uh, the law sends us to Christ for salvation. Mm-hmm. And not everyone believes this, but I do, that the law, that, that Christ returns us to the law to frame our way of life, mm. to frame our way of life. Yeah. And um, th- th- there's a tremendous um, antinomianism, a sense of lawlessness that is part and parcel of evangelical Christianity, which has been a sort of reaction to legalism. And so any talk of the law of God is immediately uh, responded to by saying, well, of course, we don't deal with that stuff. Yeah. That is legalism. And so uh, you're right, Jeff, that... Uh, we need to try and clear the mists from mm. the minds of our uh, congregations so that they might enjoy what it means to, uh, you know, pursue the perfect law of liberty, as James puts it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you mentioned Cairo and traffic because I was just there back in December of last year. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that was one of the things among many uh, that stood out to me. I, I've traveled all over the world and I have never. I have not been to Mexico, Mexico City, but having been to Cairo, I've never seen traffic yeah. uh, like that. And and to the to your point, a beautiful illustration. It's because there's yeah. there's no traffic laws, right? That yeah. can right. bring that can bring uh, you know semblance of of uh, order. So um, so yeah, okay. You mentioned antinomianism and, and legalism. I was actually going to ask you about that, but let me let me uh, just having with you having mentioned it, let me ask you this. My experience, both personally at times in my life and as a pastor, is um, most Christians feel that the law of God is a burden. It feels weighty. What you just said about how Christ delivers us from the law but then leads us back to the law, 
I'd love to hear more of your thoughts on how the law becomes beautiful for us. It, 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 it becomes less about a burden and more beautiful, but yeah. there's still, and, and correct me if you're, if, if you think otherwise, but there's still a sense of duty involved. It's yeah, not like, we're, it's not like we're always going to feel like obeying. Um, but, but at the same time, it can grow in beauty for us. Right. Yeah. I, well, you know, the psalmist says it, doesn't he, where he says, you know, I, I, um, I obey your law, and so I walk about in freedom. Mm. And of course, in the Psalms, law is not simply uh, the Ten Commandments, but it is the disclosure of God, his revelation of himself. It's not simply the framework of, of duty. It's, it's more than that. But nevertheless, um, as for God, his way is perfect. Mm-hmm. So God, who is perfect in himself, has provided for us the, the perfect lines upon which to to live our lives, not in any way to spoil them. And of course, there is duty involved in that. Um, There's duty involved in uh, the the caring for ourselves in in the physical frame. There's duty involved, actually, in living in marital faithfulness. I'm just a few days away from uh, our 48th wedding anniversary. Mm, And And to your point, you know, you don't it, you don't have to get up in the morning going, hey, yabba dabba do, I'm married to you. you know, it may be like, hey, we're married. And so if we're going to, if we're going to ebb and flow with the rise and fall of our emotions, mm. uh, how I'm feeling about it, whether it means to me, whatever it is, then all kinds of uh, pitfalls lie along that road. And so that is why uh, the, the, the clarity of the Bible is such that says, I, I provided this for you in order that you might enjoy this in, in its absolute fullness. Mm. So yeah, it becomes burdensome when people don't understand what it's there for, and that's why we need to help them. Yeah, yeah. And then I know you've already answered this a little bit, but I, I loved I loved your example of Did you say the tramways, like the yeah. the like the the tracks that we run on? Yeah. How? What would you say to this? Uh, I, I keep thinking of the younger generation. Mm that has a picture of freedom, um, freedom meaning no rules. Right. Um, what would you say to them to help them understand um, rules that are there for their good, not, not just for their good, but for them to thrive? Yeah, for for right. the flourishing. For, yeah. 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 Well, I mean, it depends. If I'm talking with them one-on-one, I say, you know, um, have you ever gone in uh, for surgery, um, did they uh, ask you which leg they were going to correct? <laughs> did they mark it with a felt tip pen? Uh, did you find that to be onerous, or did you find that to give you a sense of confidence that what mm. was going to take place should take place? Or I asked them, um, when you land in Atlanta uh, with only a hundred feet of uh, visibility. Um, are you aware of the fact that 4,000 feet must mean 4,000 feet? Mm-hmm. It can't yeah. mean whatever you want it to mean. Uh, disaster lies there. So if I'm talking to teenagers about um, sexual purity, you know, I'm trying to explain to them, look, I've lived a lot of my life. I know what it's like over on that side of the fence. Mm-hmm. Uh, trust me. Trust God. Yeah. Trust God's word. And... Um, I think what we have to say to young people is, 
this is not an invitation to some doer existence. This is an adventure. And the adventure that is ours is an adventure that is given to us in Scripture. The Holy Spirit invades our lives to incline us to that which we should aspire to Mm -hmm. and to nudge us when we're veering off the track. Mm. And it's all the goodness of God so that we might uh, live as he intended. Oh, that's so good. It's an expression of his love. Yeah. To exactly. Give us, to give us the law uh, for our good, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and such a misunderstanding, certainly among the younger generation, but for all of us, for humanity, I think, of such a misunderstanding of what true freedom really is. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, I, we were singing yesterday morning um, um, a hymn, I think by Isaac Watts, maybe not, but it's, uh, it begins, sweet is the work, my God and King, hmm. to praise thy name, give thanks and sing, mm. to show your love by morning light, to speak of all your truth at night. And and I said, notice the now, sweet is the work, mm. my God and King. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 is, it is a spirit-inspired work to give praise to Almighty oh, God. That's good. Mm. And then he goes on, of course, in a different era, and he says, uh, um, sweet is the day of sacred rest, sacred rest. He's talking about the Lord's Day, which is, of course, commandment number four. Mm-hmm. And uh, the greatest challenge that I have with my congregation and with myself is probably on the, the whole notion of the fourth commandment. Mm-hmm. Not that I want to delve into it just now, and I hope you don't either. But the fact of the matter is, if you want to see how messed up America is on the Ten Commandments, just look at the nature of the Lord's Day. Yeah. Wow. And if you yeah. ever suggest to people that there is a sacred element in rest, this is not just the same as going to the pool. Sweet is the day of sacred rest. He's referring to the, the Lord's Day. Yeah. And, uh, you know, th- there's a great opportunity for us there. There's a great challenge there if we take that seriously. Yeah. Mm. And, and again, uh, God knowing what we need as our creator and knowing yep. uh, the best way for us to live and giving us those guidelines. So you, you used the word adventure earlier. I want to transition a little bit. You have a new adventure you are setting out on with your new book, um, which is so, even the themes of it are, are so in line with what we've yeah. already been talking about. Tell us about the Christian Manifesto. Well, you know, it falls, I think, uh, in an unintended way, at least in my mind, um, right in prospect of all of the uh, unfolding agitation concerning uh, the presidential elections and everything else that's going on, and uh, the danger of Christians being pulled one way or another and uh, uh, being divided over things, it's an opportunity to say, listen, let's not forget something. As grateful as we are for our citizenship here, our citizenship is actually in heaven. Yeah. Mm. We, have, we have leaders that are appointed, uh, but we have a king, and this king is King Jesus, And King Jesus' approach to life actually upends life so much of it as we know it. It turns it upside down. Mm. And since we are by nature upside down, it turns it the right way up. Yeah. And and it and then it is a it is a challenge and it is a great encouragement to 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 find ourselves being increasingly changed by the work of the Spirit of God through the Word of God, and in particular here, just in the the, the sermon that Jesus taught. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, so that's, I, I hope it will be an adventure. I, I hope that uh, for some it will 
um, be encouraging. I reread it in prospect for an interview last week. And when I finished, I, I said to my colleagues here, you know, this is actually a very demanding little piece of work. It's mm -hmm. short. There's not much to it. And they said, well, what, did, what impact did it have? I said, well, I felt like I'd walked out into my garage and I had stood on a rake and it came up and the handle <laughs> of it came up and, and smacked me right on the nose. And, and it, was, uh, it was an important smack and, um, and yet uh, a loving smack, if you mm -hmm. like, because mm -hmm. uh, Jesus uh, speaks with sweet reasonableness. Yeah, this, this book you've written, I can't wait to read it. Um, the subtitle grabs me. It, you know, title is Laura mentioned the Christian Manifesto. Subtitle: Jesus's Life Changing Words from the Sermon on the Plain. And uh, tell our listeners that they may not be familiar with that. You know, they've heard of the Sermon on the Mount, perhaps. Yeah. But uh, tell us what is the Sermon on the Plain, and where is it in the Bible? It's in the Gospel of Luke, I hope. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And, uh, you know, theologians and Bible scholars debate about whether there are two sermons or one sermon or whatever else it might be. Um, the reason we were there is because when we studied Luke, you know, that was what we were dealing with. We weren't in Matthew, we were in Luke. And there, it doesn't say that he went up on a mountain, but mm -hmm. he taught them. And I don't think there's uh, any reason to imagine uh, that uh, Jesus, uh, if you like, repeated his sermons yeah. and yeah. Uh, used the opportunity to teach as he did. And... What he was really doing was uh, inviting, inviting his followers to an adventure. I mm. mean, the, the opening chapter is an invitation to happiness mm -hmm. and this whole notion of blessedness, which ties in a little bit, uh, Laura, with what we've just been saying, that some or another, uh, you know, great blessing must live outside of the Garden of Eden or over the mm. wall or yeah. in that one tree. And uh, again... Jesus is saying, no, if you want to really know what happiness is, you're going to find it here. And then, of course, he goes on to say, you know, blessed are the poor. But I thought it was the rich that were happy, you mm -hmm. know, blessed. And, and again and again, as you unpack that, uh, you realize that uh, uh, the words of Jesus are revolutionary words, that the love of which he speaks is an exceptional kind of love, and that... Uh, uh, what it really means to prefer one another, what it means to live in honesty and, and integrity and so on. All of that is contained in what is a really short and presumably a precy sermon of what Jesus said on that occasion. Sorry, I got another question. No, Do you have one you're sitting on? No, I have about eight, but you uh, go yeah. ahead. <laughs> no, well, then, I feel like I'm no, asking no, all the no, questions. No, 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 you go. Um, I want to maybe perhaps... Alistair connects some dots here between what, what we were just talking about with the Ten Commandments and some of Jesus' teachings there in Luke 6 that are certainly rooted in um, a heart that loves the Lord, therefore produces um, obedience to his commands, right? That, that we would actually live out a life obedient to the Lord because we love him. So if, what I'm getting at is, you know, he brings up the golden rule. In, right. in Luke 6, but it's so important to note that that comes after him talking about loving the Lord, your God, That's right. right? So That's right. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Like there's, a, there's an importance to that order, right? Yeah, indeed. I mean, and, and of course in John, uh, Jesus says to his followers, he says, 
if if a person loves me, he will keep my commandments. Right. Yeah. Um, because uh, we are introduced to the wonderful freedom to obey. Uh, because by nature we're disobedient souls. Yeah. Um, the fact that we're constantly being corrected will not necessarily produce obedience in our lives. But when we have such uh, a rediscovery of the extent of God's love for us in Jesus, then why would we ever want to do anything at all that would, yeah. um, you know, impede that or uh, invade it in any way? And by the time, you know, he's moving towards the end of his talk, um, he's making it very, very clear that um, the person who hears his words and does them, mm-hmm. hears his words and does them. Yeah. And, um, and that again is the, the you know that's what James the brother of Jesus is saying you know if if you're going to teach the Bible you better make sure that you are listening to your own teaching if you're yeah. going to if you're going to become a teacher you'll be judged with greater strictness I mean you can, mm. we can't hold out to our people a standard of life that we're unprepared to live with ourselves yeah mm-hmm. and and that's where again mm. you know Jeff uh, we sh- we face this every Sunday don't yeah. we that uh, yeah. I don't the know if you just heard comes... my deep my deep sigh when you said that because yeah, well, a... the, the yeah. word of God, yeah, I mean, it uncovers us. Yeah. And I say to I say to our folks, look, if I have to go through this, you're going through yeah. it with me. That's right. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. uh, God is uh, is at work in that way. Yeah. So love and obedience are not uh, in in opposition to one another; they're in opposition. Mm. 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 So so when the three of us talk about it, it all seems very clear live by god's design do the things that jesus tells us to um where are we missing the mark though like when Mm. you look at uh whether it's the people of your church people of our church anyone listening Mm. right now um why is this so hard well you know i think uh, right in the middle of this little treatise um perhaps is the answer to the question and uh, I'd like to read the whole thing for you. No, um, <laughs> the, the, the chapter title is Generous Forgiveness. Mm. Generous Forgiveness. And it's Jesus' words, judge not and you will not be judged. Forgive and you will be forgiven. And I wonder if whether this idea of a true understanding of the extent of God's forgiveness to us mm. is, is not really taking root in the way that it should and the reason that I would wonder is because of a lack of forgiveness that can rise up in my own heart as, as easy as possible. Mm-hmm. And if that is true and I'm not unique, then we can multiply that in the congregation. We just uh, dealt with the, uh, the letter of Jude. And, you know, Jude is very clear about we, there's a problem here. He's, he is... Um, pointing out the dangers that are present. He is uh, expressing himself succinctly but clearly. And there's a real danger involved in that because some people really gravitate to that. Oh, this is great. We get to point out everything that's wrong and so on. <laughs> and, and then Jude eventually comes and he says, you know, you have been shown mercy. Mm-hmm. Therefore, mm. be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch those who are in real danger from the fire. In other words, get down to where people are. You have been forgiven an immensity 
uh, why are you holding these grudges? Yeah. I mean, if you think about the, 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 the destruction in family life between people who, are from a human plane, ought to be the best friends with one another, and then you multiply that in the church, I wonder if this isn't one of the areas that God is speaking to mm. us forcibly about. Mm. And because, because then the, if the congregation is, is, a, is made up of a group of people who are saying, I am, I am a lousy sinner forgiven, then the person who comes in and says, oh, I think I could fit in there because I'm a lousy sinner too, yeah. as opposed to we're the group that have got it all together. We understand it all. We believe it all. We, you know, come and join us. And uh, I think there's, I think what this has done for me is it's taken the lid off the Pharisee in me. Mm. Mm, and, so and, and it says, it says, hey, mm. hey, you know, if, uh, if you really love me, if you really trust me, then these things are going to have to at least be squeaking out somewhere in your life. Yeah, and they have to make you feel uncomfortable before you feel comfortable, hmm. and that, of course, is part of the challenge again of the Word of God. It, it does, it does uncover our our secret thoughts. Yeah. I was just then mentioning again yesterday morning, First Corinthians uh, fourteen, where he talks about if somebody comes into the congregation and you're speaking sensibly to one another. Um, the, the the word of God being spoken will uncover the secrets of their heart, and the individual will surely fall on his face and say, no, that was a great sermon, or this is a nice place, mm. or the music was good. But they will say, surely God was in this place. Mm. Yes. Now, if so God is going to be in the place, in the power of the risen Jesus, then the things that Jesus said have got to be squeaking out somewhere. Yeah. In the in the course of our lives. Yeah. And beginning to lay hold of that. So yeah. That's so good. It it takes me back to your your initial comments when we first brought up this this new work you've got here, the Christian Manifesto. And in the the season you're writing this in, uh the the upside down nature of the kingdom of God and how that's actually the the right way that God designed us to live life. And we've talked a lot here at Perimeter about um how how disconcerting it can be to see Christians um, live very similarly with one another that the way the world around us is living and the the judgmentalism yeah. the the criticism the cancel culture so forth and the way that we deal with one another in such unforgiving ways and that's just within the church but then right. and then and then outside the church the way that we are certainly uh, doing the same so. Uh, there's something here to what you're writing about that I think is so, so important, so needed right now in terms of where, where and how did Jesus point us to live life in his kingdom? Right. And how is it so very different yeah. and counterintuitive and countercultural to, yeah. uh, to the world around us? And um, so I, I haven't even read it yet. But just knowing your teaching and knowing knowing uh, knowing yes. you, I know it's going to be good. Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you, I feel like you've shared so many things that we could talk so much more about. Yeah. But we, uh, as we land the plane here, uh, mm. tell us what is your hope for the book? Do mm. you have just some something? And I know you've you've already talked a lot about uh, different aspects of it. Well, what would you say? You know, when someone reads it. They set it down and they um, have this different thought. What would that thought be? Well, I mean, I don't want to suggest that everybody 
she'd have the experience of standing on a rake and it hits them on the nose. <laughs> but, but metaphorically, if, if, yes. Yeah, metaphorically, you know, in a, in a way that makes you go, whoa. Yeah. Whoa. I mean, it makes you say, how could we get so far from this so quickly? Mm, and so a spirit of God descend upon my heart, wean it from earth through all its pulses move, stoop to my weakness, mighty as thou art, mm. and make me love thee as I ought to love. That's what I'm hoping for. Wow. Yeah, um, I don't think we could end on a better note than that. So I do, th I do well, think you should send the book out with rakes. Yeah. Just, uh... <laughs> That's the gift you get when you get yes. this book. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you're a marketing genius. I knew you were. Yeah. Yeah. Laura, listen to Laura. She's, she's had a few experiences with selling books yeah. and, I mean, and giving yeah, gifts. Yeah, but I've so. never sold one with a rake. Yeah. I think that's yeah. a great marketing plan. Alistair, thank you so much. We appreciate Thanks, your Jeff. time. Great to we, meet you. Yeah, you too. Thank you for your ministry and, and uh, bless you, brother. You too. Thank you. Wow. What a great conversation with Alistair. Um, you know, I'm just, my head, so many thoughts going through my head right now of just ways in which we can continue that conversation. And we yeah. will continue this conversation as we as we get into this series more with this uh, fall series of Digging Deeper. But, you know, I'm sitting there thinking at one point, he, he's connecting dots for us between uh, the design of God for life, for human flourishing, and how the law of God reveals the heart of God yes. and how we can walk with him. But it has to be fueled out of a love for God, yes. right? Because otherwise, it's just it just becomes this this duty. And and I think I've thought this for a long time, at least you know I don't know a decade or so. I think that so many people are are afraid of legalism mm -hmm. because of maybe perhaps fair fair or not, maybe perhaps of a previous generation of how things were taught to us, perhaps, but so afraid of legalism. Uh, that we actually become averse to obedience, mm. right? Like we, we, we're like, oh, I don't want to be legalistic. It's like, okay, that's fine. Don't be legalistic. But there's still a call to obedience yeah. and driven out of a love for Jesus. Yeah, and sometimes we just, so we run to that other extreme. Yeah, you know? Throw, throwing the, the baby out with the bathwater. Right. Throwing out the law because um, it's not it's not about trying to earn our salvation through the law, but that doesn't make the law unimportant and, right. and any less vital to the Christian life. Right, yeah. And yeah, what exactly. you were saying about uh, the love for God, you know, we're, that's kind of where we're starting. That's where we're going um, with our next few episodes, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. looking at that first kind of tablet of the law. That might actually be helpful. Will you share a little bit about just kind of the structure of the Ten Commandments, those two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So very briefly, kind of I mean, the easiest way to break it down is to say, you know, the first tablet of the wall uh, of the law. Think of Moses holding each tablet, right? So the first tablet is uh, summed up in Jesus's summation of the law: "Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength." So that's the first tablet. So it's all centered on how are we going to love the Lord? What's the law leading us to yeah. in terms of how we? You know, there shall be no other gods before us. Those. That's where we start, and that's where those first uh, several commandments are fleshing out the first part of the summation of the law, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Second tablet of the law is the outward reality, then, of that inward reality of loving the Lord your God is love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. So that second tablet is that, you know, so then how do we deal with one another? 
How do we live in relationship with one another? What does it look like in God's design? So that's kind of the tablet one, tablet two summation of each one. And Jesus summed it up perfectly for us. And, and, and where today was a little bit of an overview, we are about to launch into some very practical, like what does this look like yep. on a daily basis? And we have uh, guests like Julius Kim, Tim Elmore, going to talk about parenting. Mm-hmm. Your friends, the Robbinses, the Robbins, yep. from David fam- Robbins, yeah, from David family and Meg, life. Yep, yep talking about um, marriage and with so many people, Crawford Loritz, who yep. you have had come in before. I'm sure there's others that I'm forgetting, but it's just going to be such a rich time of studying God's word, looking at mm-hmm. um, what are these these pathways, as, as Alistair said, these yeah. pathways to freedom and yeah. how might we as God's children experience more freedom by submitting our lives to them. Yeah, yeah. So lots of great conversations coming Make sure you stay with us. It's going to be great.